Mom to Mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. The invitation arrives when you least expect it, folded neatly like fresh towels, still warm from the dryer, and it wraps unexpectedly around your heart. The invitation reads something like this, Dear Mom, you are cordially invited to a party, an after party. Your children are growing up, they're heading out of the nest soon, and all those years of love and sacrifice, cooking and cleaning, disciplining and discipling, yelling and listening are coming to an unceremonious end but this is your invitation to act two, to motherhood, the after party. Because mom isn't your only name. The invitation says, date and time, after your children leave the nest, place, wherever dreams can go, dress code, come as you are, RSVP, attendance is mandatory. When I received my invitation, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Thoughts and questions swirled in my head. Thoughts like, is this it? Seriously? They just pack up and leave and that's supposed to be okay? What on earth am I supposed to do now? But honestly, how can you plan for the future when mothering takes every ounce of everything you've got? It's difficult when you're in the trenches and trying to imagine a time when they'll be grown and gone. I guess I should have thought about it more, but you can't fully prepare for this kind of life change. It rushes headlong and overwhelms you completely like a migraine or menopause. What they don't tell you about the early part of the empty nest years is this. It's hard. It's quiet. It's lonely. But it's time to find out who you are. It's an opportunity to rediscover yourself. It's the time to dust off the dreams and visions you buried in order to bring your children's dreams to pass and give them wings. Time to dust those babies off and plunge in. It's a beginning. It's act two. So join me, September McCarthy, and Jamie Erickson as we chat about this season of letting go and see what strategies we can come up with to help make it a little bit easier. So September, for you, what was the hardest part? Because you've been through the empty nest. You've still got some kids at home, but you've had several that have moved on. What's been the hardest part? Oh, goodness. I'm in the middle of this season right now as we speak. Just had another daughter get married and leave home. And you're right. Everything you described, Kate, is exactly what it is. And the hardest part for me in these experiences was actually the leading up to the moment. It was those moments that were the hardest because you know, we never release our children in one goodbye moment, like goodbye. And then we feel all the emotions and all of those um, things aren't experienced in one day, you know, their actions and their reactions, their decisions, their choices, everything that leads up to those moments, they are a slow dance to the finish line. We don't think of it that way. And we feel And we are aware of the tension and we know something is different and the feeling in our stomach is telling us something's going on and that's what it is. It is the letting go. It is a slow release of the heartstrings. And sometimes I think that's the hardest part is identifying that and not misidentifying that. 
sometimes in those moments, I would take things personally. I might have hurt feelings. I might disagree. I might think that they're going the wrong way or making a bad decision or pushing against me. When I realize what it really is, it's the letting go, um, the slow release. And that was the hardest part for me to learn how to identify that and to be okay with it. Mm, that's true. Um, I think for me as the mom of an only child, the hardest thing was there were no backup siblings to keep you busy and lessen the feeling of loss. I mean, once my daughter was gone, she was gone. There was no busyness at all. I mean, I longed for a load of laundry to fold or a teenage crisis to avert. Tears, I found that tears flowed really easily and I was really grateful for those daily phone calls with Franny before she got married. Um, at least she still needed me. And the other thing I never planned on was having so much time on my hands. I mean, I'd been a stay-at-home mom, so my days were completely my own with tons of time and the freedom to do whatever I wanted. Now, at this point, my husband, he'd always worked at home. And of course, during these years, he started working out of the home. So that I was alone a lot. And trust me, shopping is not all it's cracked up to be. And I know this sounds like heresy, but after a while, even Target and TJ Maxx lose their appeal. <laughs> so, And I tend to wallow in self-pity or what my sweet husband refers to as my favorite bad feeling. And he's completely right, but I wallow anyway. And I was deeply wallowing back then until I knew I had to leave my pity party and do something, anything. So Jamie, for you, it's, I know it's a little bit different because you have, you know, you've still got your children at home, but you're going to face an empty nest one of these days. So as a mom who is facing that in the next eight to 10 years, what fears do you have now that, you know, that you're thinking about now for that time? Yeah. And I'm listening in because especially for my daughter, she's only a couple of years away from walking out the door and I only have one daughter. And I know that that is going to feel like a big loss when I'm grossly outnumbered by, by males in my home. But, um, I think my biggest fear leading up to those days is that the faith that they've claimed in childhood will not hold that something will happen or something will um, cross their path that will steer them away um, from the Savior. And, and I know that's a fear and a lie from the enemy in my head. I absolutely know that to be a falsehood. And I know that the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that's in me, is also at work in them. And, and that's, the, that, that's the thing that I cling to when I can find myself in a pit of fear. But the fear is there nonetheless. Yeah, that's a very real fear. I understand that. September, did you have that as well? I did. And I remember thinking um, that I could, actually, I was losing sleep over it. And my husband said, this is where everything we talk about on podcasts and everything we know of God is true. Like we, we are living this every day. And we have to remember that this investment rooted in Christ will reap fruit and we have to tr trust the process. And so um, that's where I really had to put my faith to my feet and my actions. Yeah, I think trust is the key word there. Trust that that what the Lord is doing in our children, he's going to continue to do. That the that the ground that we've plowed, he's going to continue to, you know, to plant those seeds and we're going to see fruit in their lives. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, September, what did you do to help you with that just inevitable feeling of loss? 
You know, the one thing, and I'm still doing this, my daughter's only been married two weeks and I've cried a lot of tears. You know, it doesn't take the emotion away. I want to, I just want to say that you still experience the emotion. You still, you still grieve a loss, but what helped me with that was, and still is, is to remember who God wants them to be. Like they're not mine. And, and who does God want them to be? Um, kind of being selfish and thinking that they're going to stay here forever. And so something else that helped me was to actually cry and pray and let that be and not fight against it. Um, but here's a big one. And I'm still doing this is to encourage them. If you actually like reach out to your kids after they've gone or while they're leaving and you encourage them and you're doing the words and you're doing the motions and you replace your feelings of loss with emotions of joy for them, then this is where the after party becomes the party. You're celebrating, mm. you know, you're celebrating with them and, and they want you to do that. And you know, what really cemented that for me this time was, you know, my kids are uh, 20 years apart and we have 10 children and my daughter, who's like a second mom to my younger girls just got married. And my youngest, who's now eight, adores her older sister. And she has cried every day for months, like to the point of throwing up, she's going to miss her sister. And it got to be so bad. The grieving and the loss was so bad. And I finally had to sit down and say, you know, you need to celebrate with your sister. You need to be happy for her and encourage her and tell her the words. And, 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 um, boy, what, what a message that was for me as a mom, but it has been good. It's been a good thing for all of us to, um, you know, replace our feelings of loss with emotions of joy for them. That's a great way to just change your perspective on the whole thing. Because we do look at it as a loss, not as, hey, I've accomplished the job God gave me to do. You know, he gave me this child or these children for this set amount of time. Now I send them off into his purposes. So I love that. That's great. Um, for me, I think eventually when I got over my pity party, I knew I had to do something. So I started volunteering at a single mom's ministry a couple days a week. And that was great. I knew I had to just get out of myself and out of my head. And I started this little food blog that I called The Kitchen Princess to share all my favorite recipes in one place. It really started to, to have a place for my daughter to have my recipe for chicken soup and chili and you know the things that she grew up eating and loving. So I started, but because she loves to cook as well as I do. And what I, I now know this was God's real sneaky way of getting me to write because it was something I always knew I could do. I just never felt compelled and it wasn't the right time. But a few years later, after Franny had gotten married, I, I mean, I, my blog grew and grew and I ended up writing a book and I have a second book coming out. So that's why I like to say that mom is not your only name, that there are other things you're qualified and called to do. Once those kids leave, you've got to really press into the Lord to see what is that thing that he wants you to do? What's that dream that maybe you set aside to raise your children and now it's time for you to step out and, and do that thing again? Which for me as a younger mom, Kate, that gives me so much freedom to know that I don't have to accomplish all the things today while my kids are little. Those dreams that I have, those things that I would like to see happen, there's still time to do that. And I don't have to shove them all into this really busy season of my life. So that, that gives me so much freedom. That's great. And you're already doing it. I love that you're able to manage, you know, not all women can, but you and September both have been able to 
to figure out some of those things, other things that God's called you to and work them in and write books and speak and do some of those things. It doesn't mean that everybody has to, but it is possible. But for some of us, for me, God was like, nope, that's a separate season. You're going to do that later. And it's worked out great. So um, September, what strategies have you found that worked well? You know, just any tips that you might have for listeners that might be moving into this season. I mean, this is the time for graduations and kids going off to college or getting married in the summer. For a lot of moms, this they might be facing this right now. So what tips do you have? Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. We have a daughter graduating from college in two weeks. And then, of course, we just had two kids get married. And so... This is what I learned. I wrote these things down, so I would never forget. Um, we have to do this again and again, but you know, we can lead them. They're, our kids are making big, big decisions in this time. We're not only watching them go, but they're also making really big decisions. And so it's like this, not just a difficult thing. It's a very weighted, heavy, big decision-making time. So the number one thing I've learned is to let you know, lead them in their decisions. So we're walking them through, we're helping them, we're guiding them, but we really need to let them own the final word. So whatever they come to, whatever they decide, that's not when we say, that's not what I would do. We could say that, but we have to let them own that. So if there's a consequence or it doesn't work out, we can't take that on for them. And this is where they become adults. Um, another thing that I've learned and I would share um, that if you're moving into this season, and this is a principle every day in my life really is to put off and to put on just like you said before you, if your children are leaving it's not like you're replacing them but you really do need to turn your focus to something else like they are not thinking about us when they drive away on their honeymoon they are not thinking about us uh you know when we drop them off at college they're not thinking about us we're thinking about them we're grieving um so put off and put on and this one right here, this is it. Reach out to those kids, those adults, those college students, those getting married. Reach out to them as we would to just another friend. You know, so I say not too much, not too little, but be there 100% of the time when they need us. So, you know, I've been giving my daughters time, like they're leaving, going to college. And I just want to text them that night. How you doing? Are you settled? Do you need anything? Of course, they're not even thinking about me. So that's the not too much. But then a few days go by and I think, oh, I don't want them to think I don't care about them. So I make sure to send them a little message. But the message isn't about me. It's not, I miss you so much. You know, everybody here misses you. The house isn't the same. There might be a child that really likes to hear that, but most generally the not too much, not too little, but the key is to still be there 100% when they need us. Um, they're going to come to us when they need us. And, uh, you know, we want to be there for them. That's great advice. I love that. Um, I just have two things, strategies that I think are important. One would be don't neglect your marriage. You know, you two likely picked each other before there were children. So I would just say work on your relationship now to keep things strong when the children move forward into their separate lives. I mean, you were called as a wife first and second as a mom. So illustrate to your children now what a healthy romantic marriage looks like. Go on dates, make your husband important in your life because he will still be there when the kiddos and the Legos and the mess are long gone. 
And then the other thing I'd say is find a mentor. I mean, I know how hard it can be for younger women to find an older woman willing to speak into their lives. Sadly, it's a neglected area in the church. And I talk to so many young women who have no one older to mentor them. I don't know why, but women in my generation have dropped the ball for the most part. Either they simply don't want to bother or they just don't feel like they have anything to offer, which is unbiblical at best. So find a mentor, but be a mentor as well. Find a younger woman that you can pour into in your life. You know, I think it's going to make a big difference. And, and it doesn't matter how old you are, if you're in your 20s, 30s, 50s, 60s, there's always somebody younger than us that we can pour into. So what can you do now? And Jamie, for you especially, I know we're talking about your fears about you know what you might be fearful of, but what could you be doing now to prepare for the after party? I feel like I'm in that season of preparation for the after party because like I said, my daughter is only a few steps away from walking out the door and heading off to college. And, and I know because she's the only girl, I'll, I'll miss that female companionship, but I can see how even now the relationship is definitely shifting. And, and maybe you girls can correct me if I'm wrong because you've been there, but I, I have a sneaking suspicion that that shift will continue to ramp up. So one thing that has I, I hope will help me on the back end of that is that my husband and I have slowly released her in, in tiny steps. For instance, she has for the last couple summers been working out at a Christian camp and it started where she would just go off for a week and then come home and then go for another week and then come home. And now this coming summer, she will be away from us for most of the summer working and serving at this Bible camp. And, and let me tell you, it really upsets the pecking order of the house when the oldest sister is gone. But it's been in a lot of ways, a good thing for both myself, but also for my sons who then have to rise to the challenge and start being leaders instead of followers. And, um, has given her a chance to sort of spread her wings, but not completely. So I think that's been a good practice for us, um, practice for all of us in the house. But I know it's, it's when the day finally comes, I know I won't be completely ready for it. I don't think it's possible. No, I don't think any of us ever are. But you can get through it. That September and I can both tell you that. Um, so what about you, September? What can you do now to prepare for your other kids that are yet to go? You know, I, I think about this a lot because I think sometimes we're thinking about how it will change our lives when I've learned to change the pronouns. So I've, I try to think about it this way. Um, as a mom right now, in most of our seasons, we're thinking of how we're going to do something, how we're going to make decisions, what, how, how will this affect the family? Where are we all going to go? What will we do for dinner? And over the last three years, we're maybe four years, we've, you know, released a lot of our, you know, older children to marriage or college or jobs. And I've started changing the pronouns as I'm thinking, it's training my mind to what, what do my husband and I want to do tonight for a date night? What do I think we should do? Because what's happening, I think, as we're in this role of motherhood, the me becomes we, which is fine. But slowly over time, it becomes me again. And then we don't even know what to do about it. Um, my husband will say, what do you want to do for such and such? And I'm like, I don't know, ask the kids. Let's ask the kids. What do they want to do? And I always think, 
you, we kind of lose a piece of our thoughts and our preferences and our likes and dislikes and we're thinking as a whole. And even now, I still do that uh, when my older kids say, what do you want to do for Mother's Day, Mom? And I said, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, Mom, it's Mother's Day. What do you want to do? <laughs> and I thought, you know, this is like the true celebration of motherhood, Mother's Day. And when our kids are gone, that again is that party. Like it's Mother's Day. Like, look at this amazing thing that we've done. We've launched these kids. What are we going to do now? And so I've kind of slowly trained my children and myself to think in different pronoun cases, just to put it, you know, simply um, and thinking because we train our kids to be unselfish, but they're not generally thinking about us. And so the dynamics in our home, they do change, but um, just kind of relearning who we are, what our preferences are, what we would want to do with our time. All of those things are super important because I've been at a loss um, some evenings, even since my daughter left, because she would come in at night and sit on the end of the bed and we'd chat. And the first, you know, two weeks now, I'm, she's not there. I'm like, what are we going to do? I said, my husband, what are we going to do? And he's like, what do I mean? What are we going to do? What are you going to do? And so um, it's important. It's important to think those things ahead. Yeah, it is. So I have a question for you girls now listening to you. Um, I'm wondering how helpful do you think it is for a mom who's sort of approaching this season um, to, I don't want to say release the mentorship role of a child, but maybe to gather other voices around that child. I'm, I'm thinking of my daughter as she's getting ready to launch and, and how I've kind of purposed to not let go of that role, but to invite maybe some other women in her life to be that great cloud of witnesses for the time when I can't always be with her, that she knows there's other um, Christian uh, godly women in her life that she can reach out to that, that might have something different to say than what mom will say, but it's still rooted and grounded in scripture. What do you think about that? I, I want to weigh in on this because this is something I'm pretty passionate about for the first so many years of raising my kids, you know, we were raising them in quite a bit of a bubble. And there's a precautionary years, there's precautionary measures of who you bring into your kids' lives, safety, of course, biblical foundation, um, theology, all those things are important. But when they get to be a certain age, it is super important that you trust, know, and are very aware of the people that you're allowing to be part of your children's, adult children's lives. But it is absolutely necessary because you cannot meet them in all of those places. I, I'm not on a college campus. One of my daughters goes to a public um, college, a state college, and I am not, I'm not familiar with that atmosphere. I'm not going to be there with her, but I know that there's women in those circles, professors, people that understand that environment, people that understand her maybe better than I do in that realm. And so I encourage her, get plugged in with this, get, go to so-and-so, make sure you talk to her, ask her what she would think, because we cannot, we are just making ourselves their only hero at this point. And I, I think it's truly, truly valuable. And our kids thank us later because then they understand the value of a mentor when they're older. Yeah, I agree 100%. September, I think we can't, 
we we can't be our kids all in all for all their life. You know, when they're little, yes, come to mommy for everything. But when they're 25, mommy's not going to have all the answers because it's a different world. It's a different culture. And I was always thrilled when my daughter had older, you know, girls, when she was a teenager to have the older ones that I knew, I knew their walk with the Lord, or at least from what I could tell was strong and was good and that she was going to be mentored well. So I think that's a really good, I think that's a really good thing you're thinking about doing, Jamie, is to have, you know, other women that can pour into your daughter. So yours isn't the only voice because we, we, we get to think that we're the only, you know, we're the most important thing and we are for quite a while in their life, but not forever. So I think those are really, really good points. That was a great question. Um, just a couple things I want to add to prepare for that time for those of you that are that are looking, you know, right down the, the road at it. Just really pray now before your kids are gone. Ask God about what He wants you to do when you have the time on your hands. Because as I said before, mother is just one of your names and it's an important one, but it's not your only name. God has other things for you. And don't be afraid to dream. You know, you have gifts and talents and abilities you might have buried over the years. And it's time to begin thinking along the lines of what if, what if you wrote that book or became a triathlete or started a business or went back to school or started a ministry, you are only limited by your imagination and take care of your health. That's the other thing. You know, it's just never too early to start exercising, eating well, maintaining a healthy weight, modeling the importance of a healthy lifestyle to your children. You know, God wasn't kidding when he said our body is a temple, which means we don't get to bring any old thing into it. But you want to stay healthy so you can be able to go to the after party for this primary reason. And September knows this one, grandchildren. This is your reward, mama. You raised their parents. Now, if it's part of this plan for you, you get to have the joy unspeakable of being a grandmother. It is the world's best payback ever. <laughs> Makes up for all those messes and Legos, which you, you get to have again, because you know, when you're grandma, you get to do all that. But it really, it really is a fun, amazing time in life. So I, I pray each of you is blessed with that. Um, and I think for me, the most amazing thing that I've noticed about the after party is this, it gets better with each passing year. It's nothing to dread but it's something you do want to be preparing for. And for many of us, it's the time when God will dare us to more than we ever believe possible. I mean, if you'd told me 10 years ago, I'd be a published author and a recipe developer with my own food and faith blog, I'd have said you were crazy. But God has a great sense of humor, don't you think? And if you're a mom with young children, I know it's hard to wrap your brain around the thought of them ever leaving home. But I'm here to tell you, there will come a day when life is more than potty training and discipline and laundry. You really will have an opportunity to dream. But in the meantime, enjoy this season, even though it feels like it will never change. I promise you it will. And begin now to prepare for the after party, because if we're doing it right, we're raising them to let them go. We're raising them to leave the nest. We're training them to live on their own, cheering them on from the sidelines when they go. And that's the hardest part because they do go because mothering is a journey of letting go. It's a holy release made possible only by holding on to the one that matters most. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are thrilled that you're listening. We would love for you to go to momtomompodcast.com and, you know, subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, leave us a rating. When you do that, 
what really is neat is it helps put our podcast in front of other moms that may not have heard about us yet. So go ahead and do that. Go to our Instagram page. It's just mom to mom podcast. We're always on there doing fun things and um, just join us. We, we love to have your feedback to hear what you want to hear about. What do you want us to share about? Because you've got three moms here, all different generations with what is it, 16 kids between us. So there's, there's a lot of good thoughts and wisdom here, but we are so grateful you joined us today. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time.